operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. back and better than ever as always i am rock by my side steven yes how you doing today um one of my earphones is malfunctioning but that's okay <laughs> nothing but the finest equipment for us here at the revolution <laughs> my friend uh this podcast we're gonna shake things up steven <laughs> We're going to uh, try to make things a little more focused on these podcasts rather than tackling multiple publishers in a podcast. We're going to break it up. Oh. We're going to have a DC-only podcast, a Marvel-only podcast, and because you demanded it, That's right. an Indie Comics podcast. Of course, we're using the term well, indie, indie Comic as I, as I apply it, yeah. which, which means anything not published by Marvel and DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including licensed properties as... People are about to tell from the three quote unquote indie yeah, comics indie that have been picked. Comics. <laughs> indie comics, yes. Maybe small press publisher is a better term. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I could I only have so much bargaining power. Still everyone Steven's trying his best. He's trying his best to get more non Marvel, non DC titles. He's trying to work me to indie comics, but it's it's just it's <laughs> it's that's a that's a tough road to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he burned my deadly class collections <laughs> that I brought him. Actually, you know, I've been reading it. It's pretty good. I told you. It's pretty good, I have to admit. <laughs> I have to admit. Steven's having to, to carefully select which indie titles to give me. Yeah. I figured, okay, well, which one has a lot of action? Right. Like, okay, I think that'll do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so... Uh, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way first. As always, you can check us out at comicbookrevolution.com. You can check us out on Facebook, the Comic Revolution Facebook page. You can also check us out on Twitter at Comic Book Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock Revolution. It's Steven. And you can check me out at President Glover. Excellent, my friend. All right, so I figured for our quote-unquote indie titles, <laughs> we, would, <laughs> we would do Sonic the Hedgehog number three. Very indie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 26, mm -hmm. Shattered Grid storyline continues. Mm -hmm. And John Wick number two. What you don't see is that Rock has a beret on while he's reviewing <laughs> these indie comics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Let's start with uh, let's start with Sonic the Hedgehog number three from IDW. Mm -hmm. This issue is the words Ian Flynn, the art by Jennifer Hernandez, the colors by Heather Breckel. And in this issue, uh, Sonic catches up with his buddy, Knuckles. We mm -hmm. haven't seen Knuckles yet. Yes. And he catches up on Knuckles beating up one of, uh, 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 one of the Eggman robots that mm -hmm. had been running around. They hop into the city that had been attacked by this robot, and all the residents there run away from them. They're all scared, petrified of them. It's kind of like... It's kind of like... Oh, my goodness. Uh, which, uh, which Clint Eastwood spaghetti western... Is it? It's the one with the dueling gangs, right? Yeah. So a fistful of dollars. That's it. That's the yeah. one where the town is held hostage by the dueling gangs. Yep. Knuckles and Sonic find out that this uh, this town was taken over by two gangsters who, mm -hmm. uh, in return for protecting them from Doctor Eggman, uh, now rule the city. Yep. With intimidation <laughs> and fear, uh, they find that they have these two hooligans have collected all of the wisps. Mm -hmm. And the wispons, the weapons that the wisps 
you know, yeah, some intergalactic empower. species that had were on Earth because of Doctor Eggman, and then some of them stuck around after they were released, and they. Uh, I'm not sure what game this is from. My my knowledge is failing me on this one, but right. um, but the yeah, they've all these ones have the wisps imprisoned and all that, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so the uh, Knuckles and uh, you see the bad guys first before Knuckles and Sonic sneak into their headquarters and you see the bad guys and they're being fanned by <laughs> these two ladies with like the big long fawns like that's ancient Egypt. Right. Very bad guys, Stephen. <laughs> it looks like it's a skunk and a, I don't know, is that like, that, like a badger? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking too. Um, so our heroes confront them. And the two bad guys reveal themselves to be Rough and Tumble. That's their names. They even <laughs> rhyme it. They rhyme their intro. We get a big brawl. And, of course, as always, our heroes, uh, with the help of the Wisps, because mm-hmm. the two bad guys grab the Wisp-powered weapons, and the little Wisp inside are like, we're not helping you, and they hop out. Right. They all side with Sonic and Knuckles <laughs> and help them take down the two bad guys. And then the locals are then, uh, the Wisps decide to stay behind and help the locals and power their weapons to protect them from any future threats. And Rough and Tumble swear that Sonic and uh, Knuckles have not seen the last of them, (laughs) though Sonic and Knuckles are not taking them too seriously. No. Laughing at their little Rough and Tumble rhyming tagline. (laughs) And uh, then Sonic and Knuckles decide that what they need now is a party. And... um, Mm -hmm. They Solid decide, advice. <laughs> that's right. They decide to party, and then we cut to a mysterious person. Is it Eggman? We don't know, but he's in his headquarters. Yeah, we don't know just yet. We don't know for sure, but he says, aha, well, Knuckles is being the hero, which means Angel Island is unguarded. The emerald, the Master Emerald is uh, ready to be plucked. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the end of the issue, and they tease the return of Blaze. Mm-hmm. In the next issue. Oh, I have to say, you do get a little teaser IDW um, trying to play off the popularity of Sonic. They're going to uh, use this opportunity to have a little promo story of Yokai Watch, which I know my youngest son is a big fan of Yokai Watch, Stephen. <laughs> big, big fan of it. Yeah. He really likes it, so he'll be excited. And it's basically your Pokemon style uh, shonen manga, yes. which is kind of neat. It's interesting because Yokai Watch isn't. It's, you, you can actually buy the, the manga, mm-hmm. yeah. the shonen manga from Japan. It's interesting that they're creating an IDW version of it rather than just having selling the manga over here, which they already do. Right. It's curious. You don't hmm. see that too often where you see an American mm-hmm. yeah, comic d- book adapting company. a manga. Almost. Yeah, while the well, manga's on sale. Right. I don't know if it's an adaptation, but it's right. another version, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, cool. Sonic the Hedgehog number three, what do you think, Steven? I, I mean, I've actually really been digging this. It's, you know, it's not the, you know... It's not Watchmen. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But it is a lot of fun. And, you know, with Sonic's track record, they he, I was very concerned because he's had a, uh, a rough couple of years, um, mm-hmm. a, a rough decade, a rough uh, 20 years. <laughs> right. So um, I'm happy to see something that I enjoy with Sonic. I mean, I like Sonic Mania, but that was... right. You know, that that wasn't Sega. That was, hey, fanboys, yeah. I heard you made a game for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's just a lot of fun. You know, I really like the art. The um, art's great. Yeah. Really great art. I was, I, I like it too. It's got that nice, nice uh, cartoony animated style to it. Jennifer Hernandez doing a really nice job. Yeah. 
and um, and I always like seeing Knuckles. He's, I mean, I like Tails, but Knuckles I always like better because he just because he was just more of a badass, you know. Yeah. I like playing his character more. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It's more fun to just punch stuff, I think. Absolutely. But, um, and I also liked in this issue, um, that, I mean, the fight is short, but they actually fight like antagonists rather than just robots. Yes. Someone who, people who can actually kind of sort of put up a fight mm-hmm. because Sonic is insanely powerful on his own and having Knuckles with him is just like, you know, almost unfair. Right. But, you know, Rough and Tumble put up a decent, a decent little fight before they get taken out so mm-hmm. and that was something i was a little worried about is like okay sonic as a character i mean it's fun to play as but if you're going to tell him a story with him you have to have people who can actually put up a fight yep or else it's just going to be kind of boring and i don't even think in the games i think maybe even only three people have actually beaten him before and mm-hmm. shadow and whatchamacallit but um so yeah i, I it was nice to see that. I'm kind of curious to see what happens next. I don't know who this bad guy is. It's literally, it's just a chair. You don't even see people sitting no. in a chair. No, you don't. It's just a chair. So I'm kind of, I'm curious. Could be an uh, infant mastermind. We don't know. That's right. <laughs> it could be somebody really, really tiny. We just don't yes. see sitting in the chair. But, so. No, I'm with you. I think this is a good, uh, a nice kid friendly mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's a kid's title obviously yeah but at the same time i mean i'm sure there are plenty of people who grew up on sonic the hedgehog like me who will get a kick out of the comic just because they love the franchise i mean sonic the hedgehog that's that was like the big franchise when i was a teen right coming up that was that was huge i mean that was the sega genesis was the console to have and mm-hmm. sonic the hedgehog was the game to play yep period so i think for people like me you know have an affinity for the franchise and for the character mm-hmm. It's fun to read, yeah. and uh, it's a nice. Uh, this is just a nice, fun. Uh, if your kids just getting into comics, mm-hmm. this is a good one, and especially if they like video games. Oh yeah, and Sonic the Hedgehog is is a popular character for kids anyway. Like both my boys, even though you know they didn't, they don't know what the heck a Sega Genesis is. <laughs> they both grew up liking Sonic the Hedgehog. They like mm-hmm. the games, so you know I think uh, if your kids getting into comics, this is a great comic you can give to your kid. That's fun that you could read and get enjoyment out of if if you dig the franchise. Right. Not, not, nothing to claim about with that situation, I think. No, I don't think so. And that's and that's not a bad thing. It's, you know, Mm-mm. it's fun. Exactly. It's, it's what a comic book should be. It's a lot of fun. Right. And it's kind of nice, you know, again, the more titles squarely targeting the kids, the better. And it's yeah. funny that you're, I, I mean, honestly, I think, I think the small press... Uh, publishers are doing a better job cranking out comics that squarely target kids than Marvel and DC do. Yeah, I agree with that. Even ones that are a little, um, a little more—I don't want to say adult per se—but mm-hmm. like uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that title. Right, right. I think he can hand that to a kid and be okay, even though it's it's got more action. It's a little, <laughs> it's it's darker for sure than something yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog, but. So, you know, all these properties, the ones that target children, like, in real life, mm-hmm. they, I think most of them have done pretty well, especially IDW. Yeah. I mean, they... Absolutely agree. They They're deserve really a lot a of credit. Job. They're doing great. Absolutely agree. So, here's the deal. Yeah. So, we're going to kind of... We're going to have two separate scores. A score for right. an adult comic and a score for a kid comic. So, mm-hmm. if I give Sonic, like, you know, a seven or an eight... Right. It's not the same as a seven or an eight I would give to an adult comic. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think we have to differentiate between the two. Yeah. So we, we, I think we should now say kid score versus adult score. Yeah. Go ahead. And go ahead. What's your what's your kid score? Um, a kid score, I'd I'd give it a, a for for kids, I'd give it um, 
I'd give it solid eights. I mean, the art's really good. Um, I think my art score might say the same as an adult comic, but we'll get to that. Um, and there, I mean, it's it's fast paced. It is it is funny. It's got good um, good action. It's action packed. It moves fast. I unironically saying yeah. that. <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I think kids, even if they don't, I mean, it's impossible to not know who Sonic the Hedgehog right. is, but. I think they'll get a kick out of it, and um, so yeah, I'd give it that. For an adult comic, I mean, you know, it's it's not the art's still good. Yes, I still give the art an eight. Yes, um, it, it's not like other comics don't have cartoony art. Right, agreed. And um, don't make it work, but um, I'd probably give the writing. A, I don't want to give it a five. That's a little. It's a little harsh. I'd probably give right. it a six. I mean, there's there's enough. You know, it's not like you're reading the characters and they all sound exactly the same. Right, yeah, they right. do get Sonic and Knuckles sound like they do. Oh, yeah. Or they should. And the bad guys are a little generic, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's six. That's six fair. Yeah. That's fair. I would go kid score. I'm going to go, I'm just like you, I'm going to go straight eights mm-hmm. uh, because the story is really tightly plotted. Um, he moves forward with a clear purpose. Mm-hmm. He hits all of his plot beats in uh, short order, yeah. it's fast-paced, it's tons of action, and for a kid's title, that's important. I don't think you go more than a page or two without some kind of action. Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta love a fast-paced, tightly plotted, action-packed story when you're talking kids' comics. Right. So, really, really well done from a technical standpoint, really well-crafted, I think, for kids. Oh, yeah. And, and how they like to read things and the mm-hmm. attention span and whatnot. Yeah. So... Good for that. And you're right. I think the, uh, while, you know, we're not talking the most amazing dialogue in the world, obviously, but Knuckles and Sonic clearly have their own personalities, which Mm -hmm. is great. So, adult score, I'm going to go a a little bit lower than you. I'm going to give it five Night Girls out of ten for the writing. Mm -hmm. But the art, I'm going to still, just a tiny bit lower. I'll go seven Night Girls out of ten for the art. The art, I think, translates better. It's just very strong. Yes, it is cartoon-style art, but it's very strong. Well done. All right, my friend. Let's do Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 26. Yes. Yeah. Coming to us from Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. This is part two of the Shattered Grig story. This is just awesome. It's written <laughs> by Kyle Higgins, illustrated by Danielle Di Nicuello, uh, with some ink assistance by Simona Di Gianfelice. Mm-hmm. And the colors are Walter Biamonte. That's, this is a very Italian-heavy uh, art comic, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in this one, it's great. You begin with uh, Lord um, uh, uh, Draken, mm-hmm. which is older White Ranger Tommy. Right, Oliver. from alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. The evil one. Mm-hmm. And he's back at his headquarters, and he meets uh, Finster Five who is his confidant, his mm-hmm. loyal confidant. They embrace each other. Hey, they haven't seen each other in a long time. Right. And uh, two old friends meeting again. And at this point, Tommy unveils that he has an injor captured, and mm-hmm. that is going to be their key to their master plan of, um, I guess, accessing as many of these uh, mighty Morphin uh, power whichmahoodles. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try to tap into the um, the ranger powers. Yes, which are are different. Yes, varying depending on which series you're at. So. That's right. Yeah. So they're trying to find a way to access all of them. Mm-hmm. So that's the big plan. Then we cut to our Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in their uh, civilian 
identities at Tommy Oliver's funeral, and mm-hmm. Billy is giving the eulogy. Mm-hmm. Very touching. Mm-hmm. Then they cut to just before with um, them trying to, at the Power Rangers headquarters, trying to uh, work a little magic with Tommy Oliver, even though he has no pulse. They're still trying to use the Morphin Grid in some manner to try to resuscitate him. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it fails. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, our Power Rangers are, are pretty, uh, pretty, sh- pretty shaken by what happens, and they go through the grieving process. And that's basically you just see them over the course of a couple, four days, um, grieving um, in their various ways. They're just having a hard time moving on. And then you cut back to the funeral, and, um, you know, Jason and Zach are just having a moment. They're, you know, embracing each other, and they're crying, and they're trying to get past what's happened. And then they get contacted by Alpha come back to the headquarters. They do, and there they meet um, Jen Scott, leader of the Time Force. And they're like, whoa, mm-hmm. different Power Rangers. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we, 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 uh, we guard the, the Nexus and um, the time traveling around it, and that they've, they've discovered a fracture in, in the Nexus, and it's spread across the dimensions. And um, she admits that, look, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the future, Got to be careful about time, but you guys basically are the greats, and you influence mm-hmm. hundreds of Power Rangers after you. Mm-hmm. And so immediately they want to travel through time, back in time to save Tommy Oliver, which at that point, unfortunately, uh, Jen goes, well, because of the fracture in the Nexus, that they can't go back in time, they can only go forward. Right. And so... And it's also important that um, the the way she says that because of the fracture, she suggests that the other Power Rangers teams, rather than being in the future, that they've been separated into almost kind of different dimensions because the Morphin Grid has a fracture and they're trying mm-hmm. to protect everything. Right. And um, and that's, you know, <laughs> it's causing a problem. <laughs> exactly. And they discuss who the, who's behind it all, which is Lord Draken. Mm-hmm. So, the whole plan is they got to find Lord Dragon to stop him. Yes. Okay, that'll solve the problems right there. And at this point, we shift over to another dimension mm-hmm. where we see the, um, oh, which, these are the Samurai Rangers. That's right. Yep. And they are, you know, practicing their moves. And suddenly, Lord Dragon appears on the scene with his army of Power Ranger soldiers. Mm-hmm. Looking pretty badass, I have to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we get a big old brawl. Samurai Power Rangers start attacking them. And unfortunately, Lord Draken gets the upper hand. Yes. He says, remove all the morphers from all the Power Rangers and bring the red one back to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we cut back to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers headquarters. They've got an alert. Uh-oh, something's going on. They've been alerted to Lord Draken attacking the Samurai Rangers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, evidently they've now used the gens technology to access the time force, the, the temporal energy stream to access the power rangers stuck in the various yes. dimensions, mm-hmm. right? So now they can see the various dimensions where the various power rangers are mm-hmm. and they can then travel to them. Yes. So they're going to travel over to where the samurai rangers are. And we see that, uh, Lord Draken's uh, power ranger soldiers have taken over the samurai rangers headquarters mm-hmm. and ruling it with a, with ruthless impression. Yeah. <laughs> and so we see the soldiers hunting down the red samurai ranger. And just before they can capture 
boom, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers show up on the scene. Mm-hmm. They get hit with the then the, the uh, Lord Draken soldiers fire the Dragon Cannon at them. And the Dragon Cannon, interestingly enough, seems to be able to revert them back to human form. Yes. Um, anyhow, our Power Rangers decide they need to cut and run. They mm-hmm. don't have the ability to fight them right now. So they grab the Red Samurai Ranger and whoop, transport back to their time and dimension. And then we cut to uh, Lord Draken's home base. Lord Lord Draken uh, says, um, "Do the plan." Um, evidently, they've they've got some kind of eh, it looks some type of mystical, half mystical, half voodoo, half sci fi technology kind of <laughs> grid set up around Lord Draken, right? Mm-hmm. Blending the mystical with the with the tech, right? As Power Rangers is apt to do, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Fister Five. Pulls a lever, which then transforms, bathes Lord Draken in all this light, mm-hmm. and transforms him into a hybrid ranger. Right. He is now part white, part green, part samurai. Yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And and so he's now this hybrid ranger, and they're like, ooh, you know what? The ninja powers, you know, they work. They let us access each set of the morphers in mm-hmm. the morphing grid, and um, so they can keep powering up Lord Draken. That's mm-hmm. that's the, as they steal each yeah. set of Power Rangers uh, morphers, they will then add them to Lord Draken's power set. Yes. So he will then have the powers of all the different versions of Rangers there have ever been, mm-hmm. making for a pretty badass villain, Stephen. Yeah. Huh. So that's the end of the issue. Then you then did get a backup story of the new adventures of Blue Centurion and Ninjor, which is it's only like two pages. Two pages. Yeah. So there's that. It's usually just there for a gag, and then it's right? Over, so, yeah. Right. So <laughs> anyhow, um, Stephen, Mighty Morphin mm-hmm. Power Rangers number twenty six. What do you say? Um, I've been an unabashed fan of this set of Power Rangers comics since the very beginning. Yes, and I. It, nothing's changed. I really, really like this. I think that, I mean, it has the cool moments, like seeing the the samurai rangers. Yeah. And, I mean, is like, what the, <laughs> the samurai rangers? Oh uh-huh. um, yeah. And um, I like seeing the the unfolding of the of the plan because I was like, okay, so yep. what exactly is he trying to do? Mm-hmm. At, to where like all the rangers would have to be involved, and now we know. Now we know, which is pretty. It's pretty cool. Oh I yeah, think. it's super. This is a super <laughs> cool plan. I'm totally. This is this is the kind of fun comic booky sci-fi yeah kind of stuff I love. And um, and I think that while it has all the cool cool stuff in it and stuff that builds off what's come before, because they still reference the the black dragon zord that was Lord Dragons, and they still use that yep. technology from yep. way back. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also. Um, it's also the stuff where at the funeral is actually really sad. I agree. Those are really well written. Yeah. I was, I mean, because of course it goes back to the very beginning where they, because they built up those right. relationships. And because um, I think Billy's speech was sad, but the fact that I think Jason tried to speak and couldn't do it mm-hmm. was like, mm. yep. Totally uh, agree. Yeah. That kind of that, that hit. Especially as a, as an old school fan of Power yes. Rangers, so. yes. No, I'm with you, Stephen. I think this is. I, I mean, I like the. I like what what it really impresses me. I guess is that Kyle Higgins is. He's doing so much so well in this title. Mm-hmm. He's given us 
really good action scenes. Yes. He's given us some really good character work as mm-hmm. well. He's also crafting what I think is a really neat and cool, and cool is an important word to use because it's got to be cool if it's a Power Ranger title. You know yes. what I mean? A really cool concept for Lord Draken's plan to mm-hmm. take over the Mighty Morphin, Mighty Morphin Power Grid mm-hmm. and accessing and harnessing all the powers of every set of Rangers that there has been. That's just a cool concept. It's a cool gimmick. I like it, yeah. you know? And it's going to make him, and Lord Draken is becoming a really compelling villain. I mean, first of all, it's Tommy Oliver, the greatest Power Ranger ever, okay? Right. <laughs> and it's an older version of him, and it's an evil version of him. Yes. And you're going to give him the powers of every version of Power Rangers there's been? I mean, like, Steven, can you get <laughs> a cooler villain than this? And I know some people will be like, well, don't they all have the same powers? Like, actually, no. No. Because they establish in this one with the Samurai Rangers that they yeah. actually have some sort of superpower. Right. They have unique power set. Exactly. They have the signs that they make that have a unique power ability. So they right. all have unique power sets. Yes. And even the uh, the the Time Force one, which is where uh, uh, Jen Scott comes yes. from, They, I think they... No, I'm thinking of uh, the SPD, the, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the future police one, yeah, where they all yeah. actually have superpowers. Yes, yes. Like, so that's a that's pretty dangerous stuff that they're playing with here. Heck yeah! So I Which mean, makes it awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think what what Higgins is doing it's the story is really balanced, mm-hmm. and that's what's so great. It's like he's not just focusing only on action. No, 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 no. Yeah. He's giving you good action, no doubt. But he's also given you good character work. He's given, and, and the dialogue I think is really well written for all the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their own personality, yeah. And he's got generated some good chemistry between everyone, and he's got a story that has some depth mm-hmm. and complexity to it, and uh, plenty of mysteries. He's juggling a lot of characters at one time. Oh yeah, he's juggling a huge cast of characters. <laughs> he's juggling multiple plot lines, and he's doing it. With great efficiency and skill, it's very impressive to write such a balanced title juggling so many characters and so many plot lines. Mm -hmm. But he's got a little bit for everyone. If you like character work, you'll be happy. If you like good dialogue, you'll be happy. If you like action, you'll be happy. If you like a a dense story with some intriguing plot lines, you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. There's something for everyone. It's just a very, very good, well-rounded story. Right. And it's interesting. What this reminds me of, it, you know, I'm not saying it's 100% like something, but sure. what, what it evokes memories to me at least and why I think this might appeal to people who are not necessarily Power Rangers fans. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a title you should dismiss because you didn't like the Power Rangers or you've never been into the Power Rangers. Though I don't know right. how anyone under the age of 40 doesn't like the Power Rangers because <laughs> they've been around forever and we all yeah. grew up with them. So, But putting yeah. that aside, exactly. even if you're not into it or you think you've outgrown it or whatever, mm-hmm. This reminds what Kyle Higgins is doing on this title reminds me a lot of Paul Levitz's Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. where you are juggling a very large roster of characters. Yeah. And you have a lot of drama in between those characters. You have romances, you have friendships, you have rivalries, mm-hmm. you have um, uh, uh, outsiders. It's it really really evokes the feelings of Paul Levitz's Legion, where he was able to take this this huge roster of characters and and apply it to 
what was always a pretty cool sci-fi superhero story, which this is as well. It's sci-fi superhero plotline. The kind of villain we're dealing with, the kind of sci-fi concepts, the kind of superhero concepts, these are all very similar to what Legion of Superheroes would deal with. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of it. So I think that, hey, if you like titles like a Legion of Superheroes, you might want to try this as well because it ticks a lot of the same boxes. Yeah, and for you to say that, like you're the biggest Legion of Superheroes fan I think there actually is <laughs> on the know. planet Earth. So that's a that's a pretty big it's, pretty big compliment. It's absolutely it absolutely yeah. is a compliment because yeah. I, I to, to me I think when it comes to team titles it doesn't get much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legion Super is a very hard title to write, but if you have the ability to juggle that kind of roster and Higgins, um, based on what he's shown me on this title, could write the Legion Superheroes. Oh yeah, I, I think he could write the hell out of it. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, like these these Rangers have had hundreds of episodes, so we know the basic personalities. Yep. But even within this, like the Samurai Rangers, they don't have the most panel time. But even then, they still have like, oh, that one is different from that one, yes. and this is why. Yeah, and which that's that's awesome. Yeah, nobody <laughs> feels generic. No, nobody feels generic. Mm-hmm. So I mean I'm just really blown away by Higgins's work on this on this title this Shattered Grid storyline it's it's really impressive this is I mean I'm telling you this this was starring a cast of Marvel or DC superheroes uh, this would be getting more attention than it is now yeah uh, this is better work on a this is a big event story mm-hmm. and it's better than honestly Stephen it's more enjoyable than anything any big event I've read from Marvel or DC in quite some time. Wow. I mean, really, yeah. it's a good big event storyline. Yeah. I really like it. Um, again, you don't have to be reinventing the wheel. No. And I think sometimes people think it doesn't have to be high concept art. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be Alan Moore. It doesn't have to be Grant Morrison. It, yeah. it doesn't have to be reinventing the genre to be a good big event. Mm-hmm. And that's... I think it's evidenced by how many crappy big events we Marvel has tossed out year after year after yeah. year, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm really, I just, this title deserves more attention. It deserves yes. more readers because what Higgins is doing here is, is really good. And I don't know if people can't get past the fact that it has Power Rangers on the cover, mm-hmm. but this is excellent writing yeah. from top to bottom. The pacing is spot on. He knows when to ease off the gas. He knows when to step on it. I mean, the pacing and the flow of the story, Stephen, mm-hmm. is perfect the action scenes speed up and then the the more reflective character heavy scenes with the funeral and the fallout of tommy oliver's death it Mm -hmm. slows down but it all feels organic it feels natural it makes sense it's a good flow and the scenes transition into each other very nicely i mean technically you can tell higgins has put a lot of work into this story Mm -hmm. like he's you can tell when a writer is really pouring his heart into a story and higgins is clearly putting his best effort that he has in him into the story. Oh, definitely. And um, and that's the thing. That's On these licensed property titles, I think one of the most important things is that you have to get somebody who is a fan Absolutely of the agree. property. And yeah, yeah, Higgins yeah. is definitely a fan oh, of Power yeah, Rangers. Yeah. So it's, man, I if I have anything negative to say, yes. Um, I think the art in certain areas is a little spotty. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. It's just, you can tell there's a varying quality to certain parts. Um, I do kind of like the, it's kind of cartoonish, but it's kind of, 
Yeah, I like that. I li- and I like that as well. It's just sometimes, like, uh, whenever I would, like, the crying with the tears coming yes. down, it looked like it would stop halfway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm feeling yeah. it, but yeah. it's like, okay. But I get you. Most I of the get time you, Sam. And uh, the action is really, oh, yeah. is really cool to look at. And the best thing about Power Rangers, especially in the comic book form, is that having them all in bright primary yes. colors just makes the colors just pop, pop out at you. Absolutely. And it's... It's pretty, and I love those evil Power Ranger soldier designs. They look so, so cool, don't much. they? Yeah, they look so. I mean, look, I'm with you. The art, I, I like the artwork a lot. The yeah. the only thing I thought was weird was I thought that the 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 hug between Finster Five and uh, evil Tommy Oliver was a little too soulful, my friend. That, that's the <laughs> hug you give. Oh, look, look. Um, you know, each culture is different when it comes to hugging. Right. Right. In general, if you are from the Mediterranean or South America mm-hmm. or, or Central America, you know, uh, <laughs> physical contact is yeah. okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And men will hug. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I was raised that way. Right. Not a big deal. Um, but that's a, <laughs> my friend, that's a soulful hug there. That's the hug yeah. you reserve for your woman, mm-hmm. not for a good friend. Like, I'll, I'll hug my friend. Yeah. That, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hug my friend like that. Like that, right. That's a full body. You 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 you're, you're pressing <laughs> you're pressing your body parts together, Stephen. That that is a soulful <laughs> hug. That was a little weird. I yeah, and but at the same time, I think that was intentional you because so? it's supposed to give him. I think it it kind of humanizes him okay. a little bit right. because Fair it's point. like he you know he he's been he'd been gone for a while, right? And like Rita Repulsa in this universe is dead, right? As far as we know, so that's pretty much all he has. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Fair that point. Makes sense. I, I, you know, okay. You you give a good explanation then. Good mm-hmm. explanation. The rest <laughs> of the art, though, I'm with you. The, the the art is fantastic. I I really like, I like the style of art, um, that uh Dina Coelho comes up with. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. It's it 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 straddles the line of manga, comic booky. Right. Cartoony style art. It's a good blend of all three, I think, but it's good for a Power Ranger title. Yes. The and I'm with you. The designs on the Power Ranger soldiers. That's just fantastic mm-hmm. design. They look awesome. <laughs> I mean, just really good design on those. Yeah. Um. And Lord Draken when he powers up with the samurai uh, powers, just a good fusion of the different Power Ranger looks on him. Right. Really nice. Because he was always, um, he was introduced as a Green Ranger, White Ranger hybrid, but right. you can tell the difference with the samurai yeah. outfit, yeah. which is awesome. It looks good. So the art, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the panel, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. I say, and my favorite thing, the, how you tell the difference between the Power Rangers, you look at their helmets. I love that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Agreed. Um, the only downside is the panel layout is not totally creative. No. A little predictable. But but having said that, the the action scenes are still very dynamic yeah. with lots of, you know, action lines and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the panels have some nice detail to them as well. Yeah. It, it's it's what's filled in the panels. That's, yes. That's cool this time. And to the layout. I'm yeah. with you on the colors. I got got to give Walter Biamonte some uh uh, love the colors just are vibrant and pop off the page and very fitting for a Power Ranger title. Yes, definitely. All right, Stephen, how would you grade out Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number twenty six? Um, I would give the story an eight, and I would give the art a seven. Boom! There you go. I will go look. For, I think this may be the first time where I've ever been higher than you, Stephen. 
Really? I've, have I ever given a higher score than you? I, I don't think, think so. so. No. I don't think so. I'm always the huh. overly critical guy. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Uh, just a little bit. Um, at least I admit it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I'm going to go, not like a, a lot higher than you. I'm going to go straight eights. Eight for the writing, oh, okay. eight for the artwork. There I just, I like the art. Ted, more than you. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I, I totally get what you're saying. But I'll go straight eights. Right, right. And I would really encourage people, hop on this title, man. Don't let that it has Power Rangers on the cover. Mm-hmm throw you off. Don't let that it's a licensed property. If you're not right. normally a licensed property person or a power engineer, just... Yeah, this just, is different. This is good stuff. Just give it a try. Right. And I'm saying we're compelled by Power Rangers. No Zords, no no giant monsters. Thank you. It's still still, still awesome. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. All right, last up. From Dynamite, now we've sampled something from IDW, something from Boom, and now Dynamite. Look at me, Steven. I know. You're Look at me. reaching out. Yeah. <laughs> People do not understand how much this takes to get Rock to read something that's not got DC or Marvel on the cover. Yeah, he's he's straining, <laughs> he's sweating right now. I can see it. <laughs> um, this uh, this is a John Wick number two, mm-hmm. and let me tell you what, Stephen. This comic. So both my sons, yep. lo- we, we I, they watched the John Wick, the first one, not the second one yet. They haven't right. gotten out, but both my boys watched the John Wick. And I don't know if it was a little inappropriate for my youngest son. Mm-hmm. He's 10. My oldest one's 14. Right. The 14-year-old, 14, totally fine. fine. Yeah. The 10-year-old was a little... Eh, Maybe a little intense. But, little, yeah. but he loved it because yeah. he's crazy. <clears throat> and uh, and his, they both play... For, what, 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 the reason why we watched is because they both are Fortnite addicts, right? Right. And you know you can you know you've got the different skins. Mm-hmm. Well, you have the legendary skins that you can buy. Right. One of the legendary skins, is Stephen, is the Reaper. That's oh, what they call him. Right. But it's, but it's John, John Wick. Wick. I mean, yeah. for copyright reasons, <laughs> <laughs> trademark reasons, they've called him the Reaper. But it's John Wick. Right. And the boys both a while back, you know, that's that's the one that they bought, mm-hmm. and they use John Wick. <laughs> and so when I I was like, guys, you've seen the movie. We'll watch the movie. So we watched the movie. They loved it. So immediately, of course, you know, with the comic coming out, we didn't do the first issue because we weren't doing indie titles. Indie. The titles. <laughs> but now that we are, I figured let's do John Wick 2. It came out this week. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, this issue, and it's got a big name writer, Stephen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got Greg Pak doing the words. So yeah. that's, that's no joke. That's, that's a legit writer for oh, you. Oh, definitely. He could be a little hit or miss with me, admittedly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. still, I mean... Look, Dynamite pulled in a, a big name. Yeah, and, and, his, and his and his highs are pretty high. Oh yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. Totally agree. The art by Giovanni Valletta. I gotta ask you, Stephen, mm-hmm. has Italy become the new hotbed for comic book artists? Because it seems like <laughs> Italian artists are all over the place these days yeah. in comics. Am, am I imagining, or has that become the new hotbed? I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where we find out they've been there all along, we just didn't know, or they were on titles nobody was reading. Right, so. right. But it's not me, is it? I'm not but imagining. It's not you, no. I've, I've noticed a lot more. That's surprising, but you've seen yeah. it all over the place. Mm-hmm. The, you know, of course, the cynic in me goes, they must work cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cynic in me, Stephen. I, you know, I, just, I, I always look at the bad side of everything, don't I? <laughs> Are you saying that Dynamite underpays their workers? Uh, I'm just saying, if all of a sudden DC, Marvel, Dynamite, boom, everyone's looking for Italian, you know, I'm thinking there's got to be a reason. They must work cheap. Their page yeah. rate must be lower than an American artist. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just pulling that out of my butt. Anyhow, the colors are David Curiel and InLight Studios. This issue, Stephen, uh, so this must take place before the first John Wick movie. It looks like we're just kind of filling in the backstory. 
of John Wick because he's being introduced to the um, the Continental, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Continental El Paso is the hotel caters to hitmen and assassins, and it's a place where they can go and. There's no business conducted here, meaning no fighting, right. no contracts, no nothing. They can go. Mm-hmm. It's a safe place. Right. We already saw that at in the first John Wick movie. Mm-hmm. He'd already been part. So this is clearly just we're being... I kind of like that they decided to, to go make back, this comic yeah. take place early in on John Wick's career because mm-hmm. John Wick, the first movie, took place so late in his career. Right. It's kind of neat. That's a good idea, I think. Oh, yeah. And we meet Charon, who is the... Gentleman who doesn't own the Continental, but he because that's Ian Ian McShane. Ian yeah. McShane's character owns it. Charon runs it. Right, he's the guy standing at the front front, the desk, front desk, welcoming you, welcoming, welcoming right. you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so we see John Wick being introduced to the hotel by Charon, and then he's introduced to Maria, who is a I believe a, a head of one of the Russian mob families. Right. And basically, we've we've got uh, her, she her role is to simply impress upon how dangerous John Wick is and how well known he is, right? And of course, the fact that John Wick is there suddenly, everyone else in the Continental starts pulling out their heaters, right? And Charon reminds everybody that Mister Wick is a guest of the Continental, so mm-hmm. no fighting. This is just it's just designed to let you know that Wick is a bad mofo, yeah, and everybody wants to get him. Mm-hmm. He has enemies everywhere, and it also is a good way to. Um, to introduce the rules of the Continental as right. well, but to weave it into a story rather than just dumping exposition on you, which I really like that Pack. That's why like Pack weaves in Wick's persona, his his reputation, and the ground rules of the Continental, how yeah. it's set up and run, and who it caters to. But he weaves it all into the story mm-hmm. rather than exposition dumping on you. Right. That's nice. Oh yeah. I mean, like in a movie, you can kind of get away with that because usually they're walking <laughs> around and right. you're seeing it, but. Um, it's good for a comic book, especially because, you know, they just kind of say John Wick and then everybody, it's at a panel of people reaching in to pull their guns out rather than right. just, uh, what John Wick? I've heard that he did this or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's just yeah, a nice big panel of people exactly. reaching for guns and that's Perfect. all you need to know. I, exactly. It's really well done. And we learned that, um, evidently, uh, th- that Wick took out some guy named Bill Picos mm-hmm. and, uh, evidently he worked with woman, Maria, from the Russian mob, and Wick makes a point that it was personal matter. He's a freelance <laughs> guy. He's only in town temporarily, and he only went after Picos as a personal matter. Mm-hmm. Of course, at this point, you know, the, Maria wants to retain the services right. of Wick, but he's, you know, not interested. And he does tell Maria, hey, if anyone asked, why don't you tell him Picos may have survived? Right. And you're like, hmm, what's Wick up to? And then you see Wick leaving the hotel, and he's uh, gone back to his... Uh, safe house, I guess, in a dilapidated part of town. Right. That he feeds his little stray cat there. <laughs> yeah, just just one can of cat food. Yes, that's it. <laughs> no more. Not getting greedy here. Right. And uh, <laughs> you see that he has Pecos's, um cell phone. Wick has it. And Wick texts another guy named Buffalo. We then cut back, flashback to 12 years ago in Mexico, and we see the three Bills, as there are. There's three of them, and they mm-hmm. work together. Picos is one of the three Bills. And Buffalo. Buffalo the is the other Bill. bill. <laughs> and so we learned something happened in mm-hmm. Mexico. We don't know what, but something happened. They mowed down a lot of people, burned down a whole village, killed everybody. Right. So we're not too sure what's going on. We then cut back to Wick texting Buffalo, Bill, letting him know that, hey, Wick came after him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that it was Billy 
who the other bill, the other bill mm-hmm. that sent Wick after him, mm-hmm. and that Billy might be sending Wick after Buffalo. Right. And then he texts Billy and tells him <laughs> Wick came after him, and he thinks the Buffalo sent Wick after him. So he's trying to get the two remaining bills to go after each other. And the funniest part of that bit is like as soon as he's like, because he see the texts, and um. I think it's right after he says that it might have been Billy. You just see WTO. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's perfect, isn't it? Yes. And of course, now the two Bills decide, the two remaining Bills gather their crews and decide to make a move on the other Bill. Mm-hmm. And they go to the location where Wick is hiding out. Mm-hmm. We do see now Wick feeding the, the cat. You're right. <laughs> a little homeless cat. It's can of can, uh, cat food. And then we see... Buffalo's men and Billy's men, their crews, two crews show up and they face off each against each other. And evidently they find and they both radio back to their bosses and they all kind of find out uh Wick's played him for a fool. Yeah. And so they decide to combine forces and go after Wick. And at that point, suddenly Wick drops the can of cat food. He's like hiding in the rafters. He drops mm-hmm. the can of cat food, causing one of the I think it's like Buffalo's men to shoot a gun, which makes Billy's men think that. The Buffalo They're men were shooting at, at him, yeah. mm-hmm. and so the decision to join forces has now been scrapped, and they all yeah. start shooting at each other, and Wick <laughs> then proceeds to blow up the building and just starts picking people off, mm-hmm. right? Everybody starts, you know, the bad guys are gathering their feet, and they're realizing that they've just been played mm-hmm. for fools, and uh, Wick then makes his appearance in front of the two Bills. We get a big fight, lots of action, Wick's kicking everyone's ass, mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom. And he basically mows through all the hired help. So right. the only two guys left are Billy and Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. We then see Wick standing in front of them. He thinks to himself how nothing has changed at all with the Bills. They're mm-hmm. still bad people. Right. Bad guys. He says, nothing has changed except me. And we cut back. We have a little flashback scene. We see in Mexico he was but a lad. Mm-hmm. But a tiny tot. <laughs> and so we don't know for sure what the connection is, you know, mm-hmm. but evidently, as a tiny tot, the three bills mowed down where he was. Mm-hmm. And must have killed everybody right. that he knew. So there you go. That's the end of the issue. Wick walking, and he's walking. He's got a crowbar in one hand, a pistol in the other hand, and buildings on fire and <laughs> crumbling behind him. And he's got right. his typical, you know, John Wick look on his face. <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. Stephen John Wick 2. Let me have it. Okay, so I really liked the writing a lot. I think Greg Pak really understands why John Wick was such an effective character in the film. Right. Which is because he doesn't talk a lot. Bingo. Um, he's a man of action. Yes. And he they sell him based on his reputation. Yes. Like John, like they're... There's a big scene in the movie where the Russian guy finds out his son, that Theon Greyjoy, <laughs> yes, from Game stole of uh, stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. Sixty nine Mustang, yes, which is an <laughs> awesome car, yes, and killed his little beagle puppy. Yeah, just a puppy he'd had for a day, right? And, and his dead wife gave him. Yeah, and then and you see <laughs> Theon Greyjoy's dad's eyes just like kind of glaze over. And it's like you did. What? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everything he tells him, John Wick goes on to prove why, you know, 
It's it's kind of a cliche, like oh, the this reputation. guy. You don't want to right. screw with that guy. Right. But the reputation is well deserved. Exactly, and, and you see why hey, they earned that. And I I, but, I yeah. agree with you on that because you're right because they first have in that in the first movie they have mm-hmm. John Leguizamo see the car. Yeah. The, the, Theron Greyjoy shows up with yeah. it in his chop shop, and John Leguizamo's <laughs> character like get that out of here, yeah. get it out of here. And when Theon mouths off to him, Leguizamo punches him in the face. And yeah. He's like, you don't understand. Get it out of here. Yeah. And so you're like, oh. Who is this guy? Right, and then you the phone call between Legazamo and uh, the, uh, the boss, the, the yeah. Russian mobster boss, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You hit my kid." Legazamo's like, "Yeah, he stole John Wick's car," and uh, the boss just goes, "Oh, oh, uh, okay," and hangs <laughs> up, and you're like, "Dang!" Yeah. And then you have the scene between the the dad and the son, the Russian mobster and his son, where he's mm-hmm. like, "You don't know who you killed," and then he calls Wick up, and Wick tried to. Negotiate with them. It's right. just a dog in a car. Wick doesn't res- even say a word. Nope. So they build up like the reputation, and mm-hmm. by the time before any action, no action has happened yet in the movie. No. But they built it up through all these reactions, mm-hmm. the reputation, and then you see the path of that reputation. Mm-hmm. Pat gets that here because he builds up the reputation in the beginning. Right. You don't just see him in action. It's just everyone no. else. It's everyone else's reaction to seeing him mm-hmm. that builds him up. Yeah. You don't see him in action until the very end. Right. Yeah. So you're, I'm, I'm totally agree with you. Pack clearly has a good feel for that. Yeah, and he de- and he definitely has a feel for the universe. That's one of the unique things about John Wick the movie is that it has its own clear universe. Like there's rules to the universe. Yes. Like the continental. There's yes. ways people operate um, that are important, like the ever present cell phones, which are more prominent in the second one. But that's how they right. like get their contracts. How they stay in contact with each other. And um and what's what's great is that he gets this and he gets um he gets this he gets the character right the action the um the characters all sound unique I mean John Wick doesn't talk much so of course right just by that you know what kind of a person he exactly is. he's supposed to be like the man with no name right he's supposed to be very laconic yes and it's, and you know whenever you see people like that in real life you're just like I don't want to screw with that guy because. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't have to say anything. Right, exactly. And of course, and there's and there's humor sprinkled in there. Like I yep. mean, just as much as it sells John Wick, it is kind of funny to see people just like, oh, it's John Wick, reach for the reach for their guns. Yes. And of course, the text bit I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> that w- was perfect. WTF? That's it. <laughs> to be told that someone's out to get you. <laughs> yeah, and I like the I like the little bit of action at the end. It's cool how you know it's always awesome to see somebody set people up. Yes, and they end up killing each other for yep. him. Yep. I mean, honestly, I don't have anything wrong with the writing per se. I think the the use of flashbacks is pretty pretty interesting because we're not. It's like the issue is kind of like a mystery. You don't know who these two people are or why John Wick is after them, but you get you get a pretty good idea at the end why. Yes. The only thing I didn't like was the art. I am with you on that completely, Stephen. Before we move to the art, let me just say sure. I, I, I echo your thoughts. I don't have much more to add because you summed up perfectly well with Greg Pak's writing. <laughs> to be honest, I don't. I mean, I, I, pretty, I pretty much agree lockstep with what you said right. on his writing. It's really well done. This is a, a, a well-paced issue. Mm-hmm. It moves really nicely. Right. It's, it's well-plotted. The way he structures everything with mm-hmm. the three bills and Wick's plot to get them all against each other right. and then to take out the two remaining bills, it's all really well done. I thought the texting with the phone was creative <laughs> and interesting as mm-hmm. well to move the story forward. And you're right, it's got good action, it's got a little bit of good humor, it's got nice dialogue, mm-hmm. 
Not much to complain about. Pack is a good writer. He does a good job here. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a good job building the world of John Wick because his world is a very unique world. Yes. With very specific rules, and it is a very unique world. And I think the Continental plays a big role in the various characters and how things operate. Mm-hmm. It's it's There's a very definite design to how a Wick story works, and that, that yes. universe is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you got, and I think he... he nails the setting perfectly and i think the setting of wick is another character yeah you know i mean the continental is just as much of a character as any of the people Mm -hmm. so does a great job there as well but i'm with you it's it's undone by the artwork yeah unfortunately the artwork i will tell you the one reason why i don't read a lot of indie titles Mm -hmm. steven is not always, of course. Sure. Always have your exceptions. There's mm-hmm. no blanket statement that applies to anything in comics. But in general, I find that the artwork mm-hmm. on your average indie title is not up to par when compared to your average DC or Marvel title. No. And in that, like, usually, because usually, like, superhero art is supposed to be very clean and clear yes. and. And awesome. And I think like some indie titles, like some of them have a kind of a janky art style on purpose. Like, <laughs> yes. Like the one in like the one in de- in Deadly Class is not right clear, but that's on purpose. Like there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's some others that kind of get away with it. But this one, the thing that the thing I mean, we talk about all these things with the rules in the universe with John Wick. But what made John Wick really great was that. The action scenes are yes. so just beautifully oh, filmed, gorgeous, and well executed. Yes. And they're just so awesome. And and they they you don't have shaky camera. You don't no. have you don't have rushed camera. You don't mm-hmm. have blurry camera. You you're not too close on it. No, you, right. it is brilliant. The cinematography for the Wick action scenes mm-hmm. is beautiful. You see it all. Yep, you see it all in all of its glory. It's <laughs> wonderful. Yes. I agree. Not and so the art is it doesn't is, convey that. No, well. it's like no. this. This is one of those times where you 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 suck it up. You call Ed Brubaker and see if he can lend Steve Epting to you. Yeah, or something like this. Epting would be perfect on this title. Yes, and that's the right style. Oh yeah, and that's he, the right style. And I mean, I know it's John Wick, so you got to make him look like Keanu Reeves. But yeah, they said twelve years. And he was a boy. Yeah. There's no way in 12 years he turned yeah. into full-on John Wick Keanu Reeves. Right. Because he looks old. Yeah, he does. And I'm like, I'm I'm not crazy when artists feel like they have to do caricatures rather than just draw a character. Yeah. You can draw John Wick and make it, and you know it's John Wick just based on yeah. the style of hair, the beard, mm-hmm. the clothing. Yes, It's exactly. not that hard. You and don't need to have characters. Yeah, you don't have to... And the guy um, who plays Charon. Charon. Yeah, like, you don't need a character. He's bald. He's in a suit. I mean, it's in just, a suit. Yeah, it's just yeah. you don't need you don't need caricatures. No, I'm you not don't. a fan of that kind of art. And in general, the I art mean. is extraordinarily rough. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, super super sketchy. It mm-hmm. looks unfinished at points, and it yeah. completely lacks detail. Yes, Steve. I mean, like no effort to put any detail in anywhere. This looks like a rough draft. Yeah, it does. is what it looks like to me, mm-hmm. Stephen. Doesn't look like the finished product at all. The only image that I really liked was the the last page. I agree. That's the only that image one I liked like too. It was done. Yeah, it looked like some effort was put into it. Mm-hmm. The rest, though, blah. Yeah, like it sucks when you have an action title and you can't see the action. Yep, 
That defeats the no point. No clue what's going on. Totally defeats the point. Yeah, and because uh, even just from the first page, I was like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, I agree. You open the very first page, you're like, oh, no, this does not look good. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, please get it. It needs a better artist. It needs a, or at least if, because I, I, I haven't really seen this person's work before, so just give, if they're better than this, and give them more time, like, you know, or have somebody working with them to make mm-hmm. it make it better. It's just, because comic book, more than half of a comic book is is the art. I agree. So you have to get yes, that right. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, my friend. How would you grade out John Wick number two? I would give. I'd give the writing a seven. Um, I mean, it does really well. It's yep. it's it's fun. It set, sets everything up right. Um, but it's not really like you know, it's not setting barn burning or anything. No, like that. no, not at all. Um, it seems like a. It seems like even with him getting those two guys, it still seems like a lot of setup. Yep. Like something else is going on. Mm-hmm. The art, oh, I'd give the art a three. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Stephen, I hate to say it. I'm going to have to be identical to you on this one. Yeah. I'm going to give the writing seven necros out of ten and the artwork mm-hmm. three necros out of ten. And I and I, I really, I really want to, like, honestly, had the art been better, because there's some visual storytelling here. Yep. Because I didn't know that that was supposed to be a young John Wick at first. Yep. In the flashback. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, because if they're using visual storytelling and the, and the art sucks, that kind of hurts the storytelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but I, because I really want to like this, because I like the writing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I agree. The art uh, really makes it hard. Yeah. I agree, my friend. All right, well, that concludes our first Indie Comics exclusive podcast. (laughs) Indie. It's not indie. Uh (laughs) It's not comics. It's literature. It's literature. (laughs) All right, my friend. Until next time, viva la revolucion.